Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, we are recording this on a Thursday evening, which is a little unusual for us. Normally, we record Sunday mornings, but I can only assume that by the time our listeners hear this, both you and I will have cashed madly the Arena Open that's happening this weekend. I sure hope so. I seem to be really good at timing, or I should say, Watsy probably just peeps my personal calendar and they're like, when is Ethan out of town? Uh, that's when we'll do the Arena Open that's limited. This will be oh, the, third, brutal. the third one in a row. But at least now I have a new laptop, so I'll be able to, I won't have to do it on my phone like I did the last two times. Yeah, so I will be uh, I'll be doing this uh, at the other end of the state. I'm going to be in Philly this weekend, but looking forward to it. Always fun to do uh, to do a limited arena open will you be playing best of one or best of three on day one i'll be playing best of one sealed on day one but i am looking forward to drafting best of three and speaking of phones i got a new phone i was rocking the iphone 5 prior to a month ago and i now have an iphone se and so i can play arena on mobile and i will say it holds up i'm very impressed i am too i i I think what did it come out like a year ago or something it's never i mean arena on my pc crashes about as much as it crashes on my phone sometimes (laughs) times um and otherwise it's like pretty darn easy to play yeah i definitely uh definitely play quite a bit of arena on my phone in the evening times yeah it's been very nice i've done some bedtime drafts i've done like the (laughs) the play is fine like it's it's good there's only been a couple times where the board's gotten really complex and i've had to like Mm. slide to see my entire opponent's board because they had so many things on their board like you have to drag your finger to get to the edge of their board but other than that it's been pretty good yeah, my big chunky thumbs sometimes when it's like when I'm like trying to target my opponent, I can't like hit their head correctly or whatever. It's like, wait, do you use thumbs? Do I not use thumbs? Yeah, I use. Yeah, oh, I think no. so. I'm all oh, one pointer. You're finger. all pointer Sing, finger. Single boy? right okay. index finger. That's the only way to go. Okay, okay. I'll maybe feels I'll, like maybe we I'll need a Twitter up. poll question. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah. I think I want to base how I play arena on my phone on what uh, Twitter thinks. That sounds good. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely fire that one off. Um, yeah, so we are recording Thursday because I'm going to be uh, heading out of town. And by the time the arena open is done and gone in the past, I think it's time for people to stretch their legs and build around some of these fun rares. I have had a blast the past week, the past two weeks, just like going super deep on rares some uncommon sometimes but a lot of the rares i think that look a little like huh is this really supported they can really get there and i've had a lot of fun and i'm gonna be uh, bringing that spice to our listeners today for sure i have not gone super deep yet but i have done best of three this week a little bit after band camp done one a night and it is just such a breath of fresh air compared to best of one not only in terms of like the drafts feel a little more real in that like the good cards go a little bit earlier. And so you're not just getting the nuts, white, black, white, red decks most of the time like you are in best of one. And I think the gameplay too, just getting to play three games, getting to sideboard, not having a hand smoother. Every time I've done it after playing best of one for a while, I just feel like, ah, this is nice. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hey, I mean, you're, you're speaking my language. I have been loving best of three for this format and uh, I will continue to do so. So today we're going to be building around and finding out about some of these great rares. We're going to go through roundtable first and then we'll uh, dive into some build arounds and then we'll, we'll check back in on the roundtable. So if you're following along at home in the roundtable the first time, uh, just bear with us. We, we've got the right one in the show notes. Okay. Um, but before we get into any of that, we got to check in on some housekeeping stuff. First things first is the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. Of course, the show is always free, but we'd like to give some perks to folks who want to get back to the show. And of course, everybody who gives back to the show gets access to the Lords of Limited Discord. Unfortunately, the Arena Open will be in the past, but we mentioned this a few weeks ago when the MCQ was coming up. We were mentioning with the Arena Open coming up that like, the Discord is just a fantastic place to be for those high-level events, to be able to post your sealed pool and go, hey, can can folks look at this before I, I mess with it or before I submit or what would you build? And Because you can even like switch up your sealed decks mid-event in those things, right? So you know, if you post it and people can get back to you for a little bit and you play a few rounds, you come back to it, you go, oh, that's a different build that I wouldn't have looked at, blah, blah, blah. It's just a fantastic community for those high-level events and, of course, a great community for any other events, for just your weekly uh, Wednesday night drafts, that sort of thing. Um, so just a great, great community in the Discord there and a lot of other sweet perks as you move up the Patreon reward tiers. And we should shout out that we're rolling out something you know completely separate from the Patreon, but something that is brought to you in part by one of our Discord members, Man Space Tar. We're going to be rolling out our weekly newsletter, the MTG Limited Digest. So you can head on over to our website at lordsoflimited.com slash contact. Um, and there's just a sign up there at the top. It's uh, free. It's easy. Just Shoot us your email address and boom, you're going to be on that sign up and you'll be getting a weekly email of just like the content in review, the week in review of limited content, um, mostly podcasts, but uh, anything else that we uh, see fit to include in there. And that can be sort of your one-stop shop for limited content for the week. So we're excited about that. And of course, we want to shout out our new patrons the first week that they joined. So this week we are welcoming Matt, Yafan, Sean, and Micah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, I cannot say thank you enough for your support. And honestly, I've waxed poetic about CFB the last couple of weeks since they were acquired by TCG player and just how much they've been a part of, you know, a family for us and very welcoming, you know, into the content creation space. And as a, a part of their team, you know, we grew up watching their videos and all that. And it was a, a huge deal to us to be included on part of their content team. But honestly, the Patreon is wild to me. Like the fact that we started the podcast five years ago and you know, part of the way through someone said, hey, you should start a Patreon. And then we did. And it's developed into this huge thing in this huge community. So to everyone that has been a patron past or present, seriously, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Amen. Show is also brought to you by Channel Fireball, channelfireball.com. Best place to go for anything and everything you need magic related, including sealed product. If you want to put some boxes on standby for some drafts with friends. We've got Commander Legends Baldur's Gate available as well as Double Masters, which has been an insanely good draft format. If you haven't had a chance to do it yet, would recommend potentially buying a box of that to stash for a draft with friends down the road. In addition to that, there's articles on CFB Pro. I wrote a sealed breakdown that you could use to help prep for the Arena Open and LSV wrote a whole guide for the Arena Open for sealed and all that is on CFB Pro. So if you're interested in that, check it out. And for anything that you do over at Channel Fireball, please use code LOL, all caps, to let them know that we sent you over there. Boom. Did you hear Did you hear the surprise in that boom? Ethan was shocked that I didn't blow the ad read for Channel Fireball. <laughs> one take wonder as I was just flubbing and blubbering through my uh, spiel about the Patreon. Ben just cool as a cucumber sliding that CFB ad read out there. <laughs> All right, buddy. You ready to take a seat at the round table? Let's do it. All right. Pack one, pick one. You see not a great 
pack as options. I would say the best common that jumps out to me is Underseller Mykonid, which has now reached number three in the 17 lands game and hand win rate rankings for best of one. This is two and a green for the one two. When it enters the battlefield or dies, you make a one one green sapperling creature token and it taps out a mana of any color. And I'd say there really isn't another common that jumps out to me. Sepulchre Ghoul, one on a black two two zombie. Uh, you can sack another creature to give it plus two plus two until end of turn. Activate only once each turn. And I will say I've been surprised to see Warriors of Tiamat kind of suffering in the 17 lands game and hand win rate rankings, the four and a red four to haste double team. Are you down on our dragon friend these days? No, love Warriors of Tiamat. If anything, I'm up. I'm buying. Yeah, I'm buying. I'm buying Warriors of Tiamat as well. Uh, moving on to the uncommons. There's a gate to the Citadel. This is the white gate. Uh, these end of the battlefield tapped. Uh, they tap for, you know, a single color of mana and you can pay three and a white tap it to seek a non land card activate only once. Where are you at on the gates these days in general? I could take them or leave them. They are fine. Like if I get one, I'm not going to turn it down, but I'm not picking it over any of the even like medium plus commons like that I think are going to make my main deck. I will only take them over cards I don't expect to make my main deck. That's just not what this format is about. There's so many ways to accrue card advantage and paying four mana is not one that I'm particularly excited about, even stapled to a land. And sometimes it does come down to that, but not often enough that I'm actively seeking them out. Oh, actively seeking? Huh? Actively uh, seeking uh, them out? All right. Um, I'm not but, intended. Uh, no, I, I totally agree with you there. I have uh, I have not been prioritizing them. You know, when all of your creatures attack and draw you cards, it doesn't really matter that much that your lands draw you cards. Uh, we've also got You're Confronted by Robbers, three and a white instant, choose one, tap up to three target creatures, or create three one one white soldier creature tokens. There's also uh, a card that's sort of been a white whale for me, Kenku Artificer, two and a blue for a 1-1. When it enters the battlefield, put three plus one plus one counters on up to one target non-creature artifact. That artifact becomes a 0-0 homunculus artifact creature with flying. And our rare is a huge clunker. This will not be on our build-around list today. This is Traverse the Outlands. Four and a green, search your library for up to X basic land cards, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. Put those cards onto the battlefield, tapped, then shuffle. Yeah, this is, I think, for me, between Underseller Myconid and Sepulchre Ghoul. I don't think any of the uncommons are quite good enough that they hold a candle to these two commons. Sepulchre Ghoul, like maybe less powerful than something like you're confronted by robbers, but it's just so efficient on the curve and you need to get on board in this format. It enables, you know, the Black Red Sacrifice. If you take Ghoul, there's a chance you wheel an incessant provocation out of this pack, which is also making it a little mm. more appealing than normal, but I think for me, it's a pretty clear underseller mic in it. I have loved this card and been horrifically annoyed playing against it. So easy pick for me there. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I like taking Mike in it here. Pack one, pick two. We get a bit better options. Um, we've got a nice trio of two drops at common, Steadfast Paladin, one on a white 2-2 two -two with lifelink. Guildsworn Prowler, one on a black 2-1 with death touch. And when it dies, if it wasn't blocking, you draw a card. And a card that I, I think might just be the best red common, Janassi Rabble Rouser, one in a red, one three with double team. And it has one in a red creatures you control named Janassi Rabble Rouser, get plus one plus oh until end of turn. This card is just, it has some inklings of civil servant to me in terms of the three toughness being so tough to attack through and the fact that attacking with it is really easy, even if you're on the draw. I just think this card is very powerful. It's very powerful and it's right next to Dragon's Fire. I haven't yeah. had to make that pick yet, but I think I would be on Rabble Rouser unless I just had a bunch of creatures in my two drop slot already and I didn't have removal. Mm -hmm. But I think 
early on, I think I'm taking the first Rabble Rouser over the first Dragon's Fire. I think so. And I think it's really between Prowler, Rabble Rouser, and Dragon's Fire there. That's the one in a red deal three, unless you have a dragon in play or dragon in your hand, in which case you can reveal that or choose that, uh, and you can deal damage equal to that dragon's power. There's a Swashbuckler Extraordinaire at Uncommon, the two in a red two two that makes a treasure, and then when you attack, you can sacrifice any number of treasures, and when you do up to that number of creatures gain double strike until end of turn but i think that's worse than the two red commons yes i completely agree so where are you at personally pack one pick one if let's say we don't have a myconid are you on rabble rouser dragon's fire or guild sworn prowler i'm on prowler personally i like black a little bit more than red and while i think rabble rouser is nuts i kind of think prowler is just that much more nutty Prowler's also nuts. I kind yeah. of, my heart likes Rabble Rouser better, but I think you're right that Prowler is probably just a better card. We're probably like splitting hairs. I think you could really just be like, it feels like kind of a cubish pick where you could just be like, what do you want to do? Like, I don't know. Like, not, neither of these are wrong. Neither of these feel right to me, you know? Well, and so you could use the tiebreaker that there are a lot of other red cards in the pack. And right. You're cutting the only good black card if that's a tiebreaker for you. Or like black is a deeper color. You could use that tiebreaker as well, I mm-hmm. think, than red. But yeah, I like Guildsworn Prowler here, especially if you're taking into consideration that you already have the Myconid. I think Guildsworn Prowler also pairs better with Myconid than Rabble Rouser does. Right. I think it'd definitely rather be black green than red green, personally. Yep. Um, so moving on to pack one, pick three. Not a single black card in sight, unfortunately. Um, and the only green card I think worth talking about is Dread Lenorm. Six and a green, seven, six. Can't be blocked by creatures with power three or less. And it has the adventure scale deflection. Three and a green instant. Put two plus one plus one counters on target creature and untap it. It gains hexproof until end of turn. I gotta say, I am I'm confounded by a lot of things from the 17 lands data in this format. And perhaps that's just because the difference of best of one, best of three, blah, blah, blah. Dread Lenorm being so high up in the win rate rankings is kind of wild to me, given how easy I think it is to play around scale deflection. I agree. I think it's a fine card. I think it's a good finisher in a green deck. I'm way more afraid of the 7-6 than I am scale deflection. But honestly, I think people just don't play around scale deflection. Yeah, I don't. It feels like it's all I'm thinking about when my opponent makes any kind of fishy attack or like they like it looks like they're racing and then they just pass with four mana up or three mana and a mic in it. I'm just like. Oh, so this is what you have, especially because it's like there's this and there's archery, which I almost never play. But like those tricks, I I do see that trick a lot. And so I'm always thinking about those against green opponents when they make weird attacks. So I don't know. It does feel medium easy. I mean, sometimes you just sort of have to call or have to line up two blocks and then you trade with this and the trick. And it's not great for you, but then it's a few turns before you're facing down the big bad seven six. Otherwise, at common, we've got a Soldiers of the Watch, one and a white, two, one with double team. Uh, at uncommon, there's a red dragon, four red red for the four, four with flying. When it enters the battlefield, it deals four damage to each opponent. I have been majorly impressed by red dragon so far. It's a good card. Yeah. Uh, another one of my pet cards here. We've got a Laura Rogue Companion. Three and a blue for a three, two. Whenever you attack, up to one target attacking creature can't be blocked this turn. At the beginning of the next end step, return that creature to its owner's hand. And it has specialized two, nice, cheap, specialized cost. Uh, All of the backsides give you some sort of bonus when you return that creature. Important safety tip, you do want to make sure that you flip Allura before attacking if you want that bonus. You can't attack, then flip it, then return it, because you won't get the bonus. Um... 
But I think the white one is probably the best. It makes you a 1-1 uh, token. And then there's a rare still in the pack, a spicy one, uh, Earthquake Dragon, 14 and green. That's right, 14 and a green, 15 <laughs> mana for Good a 10-10. It costs X less to cast, where X is the total mana value of dragons you control, not named Earthquake Dragon. It's got Flying and Trample, and you can pay two and a green, sack a land to return it from your graveyard to your hand. Whoa, I just realized, mousing over this, you can see the average pick how many times has been seen by users and when it was picked. That's so cool. I didn't know you could see that at the bottom when you moused over these on 17 lands. I wish I knew which episode you made that realization in so I could splice in the audio clip because you have literally done this once before. Really? I'm getting senile already? <laughs> I'm going to be 35 uh, in August. The, Yikes. The ripe old age of 34. Whew. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So looking yeah. at this pack, I think for me, it's between Alora Rogue Companion if I'm feeling especially adventurous or like I want to try to do something sweet. And I think if I'm in tryhard mode, if this is my draft in the arena open, I think yeah. I am just taking Soldiers of the Watch here. And also worth noting, there's an uncommon missing and a common and no black in the pack. So we theoretically, if the arena stuff is true, we know a black common has been taken out of this pack. Yes? Yes, I do believe that's true. Yeah, so it definitely feels like the Prowler pick might have to go by the wayside. We'll see. Um, what, what are your feelings about? So I definitely, I, I like Soldiers of the Watch. I like taking it here. But, you know, it's it's definitely low on the white common rankings, right? It's below Hippogriff. It's below Humiliation. It's below Priest. I, I do believe it's below Unicorn. So it's probably fifth best in my mind. I mean, I still like the card. Yeah. I want two drops. I think it pairs well with Mykonid and a go wide strategy. And honestly, there's just nothing else I'm interested in getting into a color for here. Like Red Dragon, I don't like enough to get into red for. Alora, I do like enough if I'm trying to do something spicy to get into blue for. And then I don't like Lenorm good enough, even already having yeah. a Mykonid to like pair with the Mykonid. I would rather just try to get into white as the best color. And if this is my on ramp to do it, Great. And then if white's closed, I'm also willing to pivot off super quickly after specking on the Soldiers of the Watch. Mo more than anything, it's that I don't care about this pick. And since I don't care, I'd rather try and to get into the best color. Love that. Yeah. Okay. So snap up that Soldiers of the Watch. Black card, green card, white card. Pack on pick four. Well, there's some black cards here. Best of the bunch being Vampire Spawn, two and a black for a two, three. When it enters the battlefield, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. It was good in AFR. It's good here. Uh, speaking of good in AFR and good here, we've got Priest of Ancient Lore, two and a white for the two one. When it enters the battlefield, you gain one life and draw a card. And then in the uncommons, we've got a Swashbuckler Extraordinaire again. The two and a red two, two makes a treasure, can give creatures double strike. And a Scanos Dragon Vassal, really good in sealed, still less so in draft. Four and a green, four, four. When it attacks, another target attacking creature gets plus X plus O until end of turn where X is Scanos's power. It's got a specialized cost of four, uh, flips into a bunch of large monsters, that continually give uh, the creatures you attack with uh, plus X plus O and some ability, blue being the best in that it gives Scanos and the other attacking creature flying. What do you like here? Yeah, rare, uncommon, and a common missing. So not a ton of information for us. I think the best card in the pack is Priest of Ancient Lore. Second best card in the pack is Vampire Spawn. Since we were cut out of black like that one pick and we assume our neighbor's drafting black, I think I would rather pair the Priest of Ancient Lore with the Soldiers of the Watch that we just took mm -hmm. rather than Vampire Spawn with Guild Sworn Prowler. So Priest also opens up the door for shenanigans if maybe we wield that Alora or whatever, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I like taking Priest here and feel really good uh, with having the Soldiers of the Watch. 
Pack one, pick five. The white keeps flowing. Only white card in the pack is a good one. Steadfast Unicorn. Single white for a one, two, and it has three and a white. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and gain vigilance until end of turn. Activate only during your turn. Not activate as a sorcery. Not activate only once per turn. Activate only during your turn. For some reason, this is so hard for me to like shortcut. <laughs> I finally got it down, but it took took me a little while. Uh, there's also a prophetic prism. Two mana when it enters the battlefield. Draw a card, and you can pay one tap to add one mana of any color if you wanted to like i don't know continue to splish splash around with the underseller myconid but really this feels like with your soldiers and priests just a slam dunk unicorn yeah yeah love a unicorn here and thrilled about specking into white and it feels like white maybe not be open open but open enough that like we're still getting good cards and the white cards even if they aren't the best white cards are still the best cards in the pack Yeah, right, for sure. Well, I think that trend is going to continue. Pack one, pick six. There's another Steadfast Unicorn. Uh, There's only commons in the pack, plus a Lurking Roper, the Tuner Green 4-5. Doesn't untap during your untap step, and whenever you gain life, untap Lurking Roper. The the life gain stuff just really isn't there this set, I feel like. It's definitely less supported than it was in AFR, but I think it can kind of get there as a sub theme. But there are yeah. a lot of other interesting ways to attack Lurking Roper or just giving it vigilance with a steadfast unicorn also ha. is good, too. Yeah, that's true. So maybe you get it on the wheel. Probably not given the, the shallowness of this pack and that it's Pixic. So second unicorn for you to go with your soldiers and your priest. I think so over Lurking Roper. You could make a case for the Roper, but honestly, I would rather just get deeper into white and I love Steadfast Unicorn. Yeah, well, it looks like you're going to keep getting white stuff. Pack one, pick seven. There's a Steadfast Paladin, one and a white, two, two with lifelink. It's not exciting by any means, but still a serviceable two drop and you really need twos in this format. And honestly, the rest of this pack is so clunky, just full of junkers other than like Warriors of Tiamat. Yeah, thrilled to see Steadfast Paladin here and would snap it up. Yeah, for sure. All right, pack one, pick eight before the wheel here. You got more white cards. You got a Ranger Squadron, four white, white, three, four, flyer with double team. Minimus Containment, two and a white for the aura, enchant non-land permanent. Enchanted permanent is a treasure artifact with tap sack. This artifact, add one mana of any color, and it loses all other abilities. (laughs) There's another Kenku Artificer, uh, the two and a blue one, one that turns a non-creature artifact into a three, three flyer. Uh, there's an undersimplify, I guess, but like you're not taking a blue card here over these white cards, even though these white cards are not super exciting. I think you just stay white. But which do you like between these two? I like the containment. We don't have any interaction yet. And I think that's mm. a fine way to interact with our opponent. Like I'm fine to play a copy. Would I rather have Patriarch Humiliation? Yes. But locking up my first piece of interaction here feels good. I like Ranger Squadron significantly less in draft than I do in sealed. I'm hoping <laughs> to not run ranger squadron in my white decks in draft just feels like it's too slow or like white decks want to get ahead before that or, or what what, what yeah. makes it feel yeah all that stuff i think a little too high on the curve i think you have better threats lower on the curve on white white wants to be more proactive in draft you can just get a more aggressive start sweet yeah nice nice little uh sort of backdoor into just a bunch of white commons setting yourself up nicely for the wheel and packs two and three yeah and i think that all was boiled down to that one soldiers of the watch spec right because if you don't yeah. take that there pick three i guess you can still take priest pick four and get into it and eh, never mind that's fine yeah i think you're, you're still taking priest even if you i don't know derp around and take lenorm or take alora all right so we're gonna build around and find out today we're gonna talk about building around certain rares in this format some i think more likely to be successful with than others but a lot of the rares in the set i think there's some rares that are just like 
clearly stupid busted or just going to be good in no matter what like deck you put them in where you can cast them like they don't even have to be busted it's just like oh these are straightforward like whatever the the black four mana three two that if you connect with a creature you make two treasures and it can sack treasures to give things minus x minus x until end of turn like that's just going to be a good card. You don't need to build around that. But we're going to talk about some more niche cards that maybe people who don't draft a lot, if they see them or if they're looking to be like, hey, I want to flex this muscle, here's how you do it. So we're going to be talking about a bunch of rares from the set, some that both of us have had uh, experience with, but I have had experience with all of these. So I've been lighting my gems on fire for uh, for the, the case of science. So first up, <laughs> we've got a card that is near and dear to my heart and certainly the card that is most fun to say in the format. Babala Saga, Night Witch. This is two black green for the 4-4, and you can tap it, sacrifice up to three permanents. If there were three or more card types among the sacrificed permanents, each opponent loses three life, you gain three life, and you draw three cards. Ben, have you played with this card before? I have played with this card, and it is excellent. My one gripe, and not even with this card, it's more with the format, is that stuff like this is still just outclassed by the premium cards, but this is of the build-around rares, I think, one of the just more rawly powerful if you get to do there and do the thing. Yeah, okay. This is your one time to be like, <laughs> the things that we're talking about aren't like the tier one strategies in the format. Well, like, it's not even that they're not tier one strategies. It's just that like Genasi Rabble Rouser on turn two is about as good as Babala Saga Night Witch. I mean, that's a bit of an exaggeration because I think Night Witch is better if you're turning it on, but it's not that big of a stretch yeah, you know? for sure but that's look i don't want you being a debbie downer being like this isn't as good as rabble rouser <laughs> okay you're gonna harsh my mellow here for sure okay so talk to for me sure. about baba saga how do you make this card tick i think pilgrim's eye is the number one card to pair with this because it's an artifact and a creature so it's three mana for the one one flyer that lets you search up a land and honestly it's all three pieces i guess it gets you the land yeah too. that's so true i never thought you, about that. it's essentially a draw three in and of itself if you get baba saga on the battlefield and i think also worth noting that you would like some ways to protect Babala Saga, ideally. So, you know, maybe if you've got this in a black-white deck, splashing green, you've got some griffins to protect this, or even running the single black, plus one, plus one, indestructible. That card is really good. Armor of Shadows? <laughs> like, that just speaks volumes to how insane the Blessed Hippogriff is. But, like, I have really started to like Armor of Shadows in my black decks. Yeah, it's a good card. People yeah. don't play around it. And the only thing that really savagely owns it is Patriarch's Humiliation in response. Oh, my God. It yeah. removes the indestructible. Well, and it does it does bum you out. I mean, much like the, the Hippogriff when like your opponent casts Sewer Plague and you're like, aha, but indestructible. Oh, I guess I can't protect it there. But uh, but yeah, I definitely think you want some some either protection or recursion. You know, you get the the bone collar cleric or the I forget the name of it, but the equipment that has the adventure half that's a raised dead. That's also pretty good. Yeah, for sure. But back to Babala Saga, I think so Pilgrim's Eye, but there's a bunch of other ways to do it, too, right? You can run prophetic prisms. You can run treasure like cards that make treasure and then you can sack treasure creature land. So there's a lot of different ways to turn on Babala Saga. And honestly, just a four, four for four is also just a fine magic card right and i've also really liked playing a black green deck that can splash and have a number of copies of incessant provocation because one of the things that i've found an issue with with provocation is that um other than sepulcher ghoul both deadly dispute and skullport merchant cost two mana to sacrifice the thing so then your provocation isn't killing your opponent's threat until you have six mana so babala saga is another free sack outlet is nice so you don't even have to you know you don't have to sacrifice the three types obviously it's nice if you know you've got a treasure and a land that you feel like sacrificing steal your opponent's best creature boom all of a sudden now you have uh three more resources and you're up six life or up you know there's a six point life swing or whatever from the activation um or you know 
can splash Babala Saga in a red-black deck that can produce a bunch of treasure, whatever. I've, I've found this card to be quite versatile. Yes, very good. And I think in addition to ways to protect it, running ways to recur it, also good. So cards like Ghost Lantern, which mm. buys it back and then gives you an artifact yeah. to sacrifice to it is really sweet. But even just something as simple as Summon Undead, where you four and a black, you know, mill three, rebuy your Babala Saga if your opponent killed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think a much less fussy artifact you build around is is quite good. Uh, Jan Jansen, Chaos Crafter, red, white, black for a 3-3 with haste. You can tap it, sack an artifact creature to create two treasure tokens, or tap it, sacrifice a non-creature artifact to create two 1-1 one, one colorless construct artifact creature tokens. Um, obviously, all you need is just like one Thopter, one Prism, one Treasure to start this train rolling. And I think similar rules apply in terms of you want ways to protect Jan Jansen, and it's in black-white, so that's great. You get Hippogriff, you get Armor of Shadows. You want ways to recur it if you can get those. That's also great. Uh, this card is just awesome. I have not played with Jan Jansen yet. It's the card in the set that I haven't played with yet that I want to play with the most. It seems like it is very good when it gets going. It's pretty darn busted, I would say. Yeah, for sure. So as we go through these in service to our listeners, I want you to put a build around grade on all these. So you've had a chance to play with them now. You're not guessing. Bobola Saga, you do the thing. Build around grade. B plus. I mean, honestly, build around A minus. Like if you do the thing, it's pretty darn good i agree it's very powerful I, jan jansen uh, definitely built around a minus a babala saga is like a slight notch below so i'd give it build around b plus jan jansen harder to cast though right because you don't get the green fixing so you really need the prisms but you kind of want the prisms if you're building around jan jansen anyway yeah I mean, it's not it's like it's not hard because like it's in the best three colors that are so deep plus you get prisms thopters and treasures which black makes in spades i think you like really hard to be base red white and splash this but very easy otherwise to be black white or black red and splash this sweet all right, next up, this is going to get a lower build around grade, Ben. We've got Alondo <laughs> the Seer. Alondo the Confusing Seer. Two green blue for a 3-5 legendary creature human shaman. Tap it, draw a card, then exile a card from your hand and put a number of time counters on it equal to its mana value. It gains when the last time counter is removed from this card. If it's exiled, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. If you cast a creature spell this way, it gains haste until end of turn. Then remove a time counter from each other card you own in exile. Such a mouthful doesn't have anything to do with actual suspend, but it does put time counters on. Very confusing. I went on such a journey with this card. Initially, I was like, eh, not very good. Like, you're never casting the things that you're putting into exile in time. Like, not super relevant. Three, five body, sure, whatever. And then I was like, wait, you can exile lands with it and then play the lands. So you're like essentially looting, but you're actually drawing the card because you get to play the land. This is awesome. But no, it doesn't do that because you have to <laughs> cast the thing. So then I went back to not great. So talk to me about this card. Okay, so the real key for this card, so I guess just on its own, I think you're, where you landed on that card is correct, right? Four mana, three, five. It's actually, like, that's a pretty sizable body in this format. Um, but, like, it's awkward that you have this looting ability on a more expensive card, but it is defensive and you can activate it on your opponent's turn. So at the end of the day, it's like, whatever. It's not that that big of a deal. And green-blue isn't, like, a, a very desired color pair at all, um, you know, unless it's, it's handed to you on a silver platter. I think the real key, key here is with Clever Conjurers. That's the two in a blue common, two, three. Uh, and you can tap it to untap another permanent not named Clever Conjurer as a sorcery. So that lets you activate Alondo multiple times 
times in a turn cycle, which is actually quite explosive. Because even if you're, you know, sometimes you're exiling lands or whatever, but if you're exiling spells, you know, you can start to chain them together and sequence them in a way that will let you start to cast them for free. You know, you exile a two drop, untap a Londo, exile something else. And now you're starting to really get some value here in terms of, uh, obviously you don't have to cast the spells by using mana, but you can also, the timing restrictions don't apply. So you can fire off sorcery speed removal. Obviously your opponent sees it coming, but can still be pretty good. Um, or, you know, you can get some creatures into play at instant speed or on end steps, so maybe makes your opponent's attacks a little awkward. Um, it does have some different applications, but there's also some tricky things in terms of sequencing stuff and you can get caught. Like let's say you exile a really important spell that you want to fire off in three turns after your three Alondo activations. Well, if they kill Alondo, then you're kind of up a creek without a paddle, right? Because your card is just lost in exile forever. So if you've got a card that's really important to your game plan, uh, you may not want to exile it with Alondo, but otherwise this card can provide you a ton of value. That sounds like a warning from a man who has had a card he needed stranded in exile by Alondo. Who, me? No, <laughs> I, would, I would never do that. Of course not. Um, no, but don't worry. I had two copies of Alondo, so I just grabbed it, grabbed another one, and then boom, went back to the races because those cards just stay with those time counters. Um, but that's, uh, that's obviously not going to happen that much. So this card, I think it's like build around dish in the sense of Clever conjurers really, I think, are important for making Alondo go over the top of what it does initially. Like on its face, it's like a C grade card or something, maybe a little higher. Um, but I think the conjurers bump it up a little bit to like C plus, B minus. Yeah, this doesn't pull you into building around it unless you're up to nonsense, right? Exactly. Yes, I think that's absolutely true. Okay. Have you seen the next card in play? Oh, I have played with the next card and I've seen it in play. It's just very good, right? Yeah, this card. So great. the next next card is Alter a Ball. This is one and a black for an artifact. It has the ability to black tap, exile a creature you control, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, activate only as a sorcery. And then it's also got an adventurer, which is two and a black for bone offering. It's a sorcery and you create a four one tapped black skeleton creature token with menace. So just a sweet card. I mean, you get a creature's worth of value plus the artifact that you're really interested in doing if you have any sort of ETB shenanigans going on. Mm-hmm. This is a lot of sweet stuff. And then building around it, you can just go off even more. Yeah, I mean, I think this is like at its best in terms of a build around in black green. Like it's just a good card, period. If you're in black, you're always playing this. You're always picking it highly. But then like, how do you maximize this? Well, Ben and saying enter the battlefield effect is really important. And that's probably going to, be most prevalent when paired with white or black because i think of like you know priest of ancient lore or owl bear and those cards are going to come up time and time again because we're going to be talking about etb stuff a lot in this episode um but i think you know blue black black green are really good homes black green specifically because circle of the land druid this is uh, a card you can get just super duper late because it only really wants to go in black green decks and only really wants to go in this kind of a black green deck a like graveyard sacrificey deck uh this is one a green for one one when it enters the battlefield you may mill four cards and then when it dies you can return a land from your graveyard to your hand well what's great about this is that it not only fuels your yard in terms of sure you don't get the land because alter when you sacrifice the creature to, to make the swap alter exiles the creature so you won't get the land off of circle but circle of the land druid is fueling your graveyard so it helps you to like you know if you've got a couple big bombs or even just one big bomb and like some lenorms or herd quarters or whatever black dragon well that's going to help you dig towards those you know not only just through your draw step but through these mill effects as well that then you can recur 
buffer them with Alter. So are you thinking of this more as a turbo reanimation card? Like, Because to me, it's more played out when I've played with it and played against it as more of like a recurring nightmare style value engine. Yeah, it's it's a I, it's more that, but I think what I'd like to do, like if I saw this pack one pick one, I'm gonna be looking a little bit more. You know, I'm gonna give a lot more weight to enter the battlefield effects, and I'm gonna give more weight. You know, maybe a summon undead or a black dragon or a meteor golem, like those bigger expensive spells that I might shy away from if I don't have ramp. I'm going to be more inclined to play those because, hey, if I get these other cards that help fuel my graveyard and I can get the altar in, that all you know pieces together really nicely. All right, final grade. I mean, this is just a, a B, a B plus on its own. Like, I don't even feel like I need to give this a build around grade. But like, I guess if you do build around it, this is a, again, a build around A minus. Yeah, like maybe goes up a notch from wherever yeah. it is. Like if it's a B, it goes up to a B plus, something like that. But it's just good, I think. All right, next up, Displacer Kitten. Yeah, this is three and a blue for a 2-2, and it says whenever you cast a non-creature spell, exile up to one target non-land permanent you control, then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. Have you played with or against this card? I have not, but I have seen sweet things happen with it when I've been watching streams. Yeah, so I, I do think you don't need this card to go deep on the Blink deck, right? The Blink deck we've talked about before, we may talk about in the future, being either, you know, white, blue, green, white, blue, black, whatever. You don't need it to go deep, but I think it's definitely a reason to do so. Um, I think best to pair this with white since it gives you access to very cheap spells with the adventure half of Blessed Hippogriff and Patriarch's Humiliation. So really important to have that cheap spell because ideally you can play Displacer Kitten with that single white mana up so that if they go to remove it, like ideally Displacer Kitten is so important to your game plan or, or not important to your game plan, but um, so valuable in terms of what it does for your deck that your opponent's going to want to kill it and that you can have a way to protect it or blink it in response is going to be really helpful to you yes that sounds ideal i think prophetic prism is really sweet here since it not only triggers the kitten as a non-creature spell but is a good target for the blink as well one of the problems with the blink deck sometimes is that uh og or stalwart are cards that can only blink creatures. So, you know, let's say, and, and it's, it's rare, but like, you know, let's say you've got a creature under a minimus containment. Well, you can't, you know, blink that out from under it with those cards. But with Kitten, you can. And you can blink your Prophetic Prism. I have done very sweet things like blinking Uthgart Fury three Ooh. times for lethal. So this is the rare that's one red red uh, enchantment. ETBs deals four to any target. And then like damage doesn't get removed on end steps. Um, but, you know, you just go four face, four face, four face, and you're thrilled. Uh, you know, ETBs, Priest of Ancient Lore, Underseller Myconid, Pilgrim's Eye, those are all really good. I got to have this and Sea Tower imprisonment in a deck uh, yesterday or two days ago. Ooh. So you get to blink that and then get another Soldiers of the Watch that then still has double team. So, you know, there, there is the, the blink deck exists without this card, but having Displacer Kitten really pushes it over the top, gives you access to blinking some other stuff. You had me at Uthgard's Fury. Ethan out here single handedly raising the win rate of blue red. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, believe me, I believe both Kitten and Fury were splashed in a black green deck. Oh, <laughs> lol. <laughs> All right, build around grade for Displacer Kitten. Build around B. All right, like it. Moving on to the next one. This is Eldritch Pact. Six and a black for a sorcery. Target player draws X cards and loses X life, where X is the number of cards in their graveyard. I 
lost to this early in the format Mm -hmm. and moved it way up in my pick order and then played it and was like, oh, this is a terrible lava axe and have not thought about it since. So talk to me about this card. Well, I have not, I guess I have had it in a trophy deck, but I did not cast it in that trophy deck, so I don't really count it there. Um, I'm mostly going off of our uh, friend of the pod, Deathsy, who popped off with this. We even put a clip of it uh, at the end of one of our showdown videos on CFB because he was sitting next to you in our draft pod. But he did some really sweet things with it, this plus a card we're going to talk about in a second. But I do think that there is some fuel for this. So Demogorgon's Clutches is, I think, the, the main way to fuel this card. This is the two and a black discard spell. They discard two cards. They mill two cards and lose two life. So that puts four pieces of cardboard in the graveyard. This, I think, is hard still to like, I mean, do you have time to fire off a couple clutches and then fire this off without affecting the board at all? Probably not. I, I The jury's still out for me on this. I've seen it a lot in, my, in packs lately, um, but haven't quite had the, the gumption to snap it up. But uh, but I do think there is some build around potential for this card. Bummer Ben is coming back here. This no, no. Sounds stay back. Completely irresponsible to me. <laughs> That's probably true. But I do really want to do it. It's, it has gotten me too. And I feel like there is some control shell out there, but probably a lot of stuff. Too much stuff has to go right for it to be something for us to prescribe here. But I will continue to talk about this sweet deck that Detsy had. And talk about this next card. Signature spells. Four blue blue for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, you seek two instant and or sorcery cards with mana value three. That is exactly three, folks. Then exile them. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may copy a card exiled with signature spells. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. So you really need to pair this with black, I think, so that you get access to Sewer Plague and Grave Choice. That's the common removal spell that gives a creature perpetually minus two, minus two, and then every upkeep an additional minus one, minus one counter. Um, And Grave Choice, which is the edict effect that if the thing is mana value two or less, uh, you get a copy of it into your hand. And then Demogorgon's Clutches as well can go in there but you i think you do really need to pair this with black for those effects because like blue is giving you what blur you don't really care about that so <laughs> let's all relax but so Deathsea's deck was just crazy i don't know if you saw it but he's got uh signature spells he's got storm king's thunder as well this is the triple red x mythic when you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn copy it x times and you can choose new targets for the copy and he was milling people out with you find some prisoners like just getting a bunch of treasure then firing off storms king thunder for a million and then casting you find some prisoners to just exile the top three cards of his opponent's library over and over i mean how does that not excite you? That sounds pretty pog. I just I'm I'm never going to end up there. I don't think in this format, but it yeah. sounds super duper awesome. And I think one of the nice things is there are ways to go really deep in this format. There are cool build arounds. They're not necessarily tier one, but they do let you pop off and do some ridiculous things. And you'll you'll see that for everything that we're looking at, I think this is one of the, the takeaways. If you're thinking like, man, how do we how do I even start to know if something is worth it or if I can do this or how do you like brew these kinds of things on the fly? They have to be supported at common, right? The rares that we're talking about, every card that we're saying, I mean, this is save for one rare we're going to talk about later is going to be sort of deep in terms of pairing it with another rare. But for rares to be successful build arounds, they have to have commons that support them so that you can take this card and go, okay, to go deep with this card that I'm not going to see very often, this rare, 
I'm going to have the cards at common and sometimes uncommon to be able to support it and make it work. But if they're not at common, then it's not reliable. Yeah, completely agree. Next up is black market connections. You say the jury is still out for you. I am a true believer in this card. I love black market connections. Okay, I, I need you to talk to me about it. This tune of black for enchantment at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase. You choose one or more. Either sell contraband, which lets you create a treasure token and lose a life. You can draw a card and lose two life. Or you can create a 3-2 colorless shapeshifter creature token with changeling and lose three life. If you want to do all three, you can pay six. If you want to mix and match, you can do any combination of those as long as you've got enough life. So this is best when it comes down on turn three. It can be a little awkward when you draw it later if your life total has already been attacked by your opponent. But ideally, when you're building around this, you want to pair it with life gain. So it goes really well in green, I've found, because there's a lot of life Mm. gain in green floating around, white as well. But honestly, I think it's just a very powerful card when it comes down on curve. I mean, I've seen a lot of people playing it wrong. I've played with it now a couple times. Usually, my default is the turn it comes down, the following turn you make a 3-2 and make treasure. I don't often start drawing cards with it until I'm stable and I need gas because a lot of times the advantage you get from making free three twos with the the pay three life ability is just enough to get you ahead on board to overwhelm your opponent. It's super powerful. Being able to trade life for board presence is insane. All right, sweet. So you really feel like sure, maybe you want to pair it with white. Maybe I was thinking you needed like a sort of get out of jail free Dawnbringer cleric to blow it up sometimes. I was watching actually Jamie Topple's stream today and she had two prosperous innkeepers in a deck with this and I was like, oh man, if I had two prosperous innkeepers, sign me up. But I'm always sort of scared about the the life loss. And the important note here, if you haven't seen this card or haven't read this card, this isn't optional. At the very least, you have to make a treasure token and lose a life every turn. Yes, but the you get so far ahead of your opponent that I don't think you're very often in danger of just dying to this card. And if you are, you're probably losing the game anyway. This is just maybe speeding it up a little bit. Mm. But this goes a long way. Like you said, Innkeeper, Inspiring Bard is a free 3-2 along mm. with it. You know, Hill Giant Herd Gorger all of a sudden brings a free 3-2 along with it. There's just so many things to do if you can use your life total as a resource. All right. All right. I'm into it. Great. Next time I see it, I'm snapping it up. Next up is Earthquake Dragon, the old 15 mana. <laughs> yeah. So this is the 15 mana 10-10 flying trample, and the cost is reduced by the mana value of each dragon you have in play, and you can return it from your graveyard to your hand by sacking a land, though I don't think I've ever seen that come up. Um, I don't think this is the kind of card you want to pack one, pick one. If we're talking about a build around rare, I think Miram is a much better option. This is the Sentinel Worm, three green, blue, red for a 6-6 flying and ward two. And whenever another non-token dragon enters the battlefield under your control, you create a token that's a copy of it, except the token isn't legendary if it was legendary. I think that's much more of a, ooh, I want to take that pack one, pick one and just draft mono dragons if I can. And then if a card like Earthquake Dragon comes around, then you're off to the races a little bit. Um, But I don't think Dragon is the kind of card that you want to pack one, pick one. I have gotten got by Monster Manual Earthquake Dragon already in the format. It was fairly impressive for my opponent. I was like, all right, golf clap. You did the thing. Yeah, so Monster Manual, this is a three and a green artifact. You can pay one and a green, tap it. You can put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. Activate only as a sorcery, but it's got an adventure half for two and a green to mill five cards, then return a creature card milled this way to your hand. So the nice thing about this is, you know, the mill may put Earthquake Dragon into your graveyard and even if it does, you don't have to return it then. You can just let it sit there, then maybe return it later and then set up that thing that Ben's talking about where 
you just have the manual and play, tap two mana, boom, there's my 10-10 flying trampler. Yeah, I think Monster Manual, we gave an F on our you know website ratings, and I think you and Alex did in your set review as well. I don't think it is. I think it's a, a real build around. I don't think this is like a premium tier one strap, but like Black Green Reanimator, Monster Manual does work there, and Earthquake Dragon is definitely a thing you would want to include for sure. Yeah, I really like the design of a lot of these adventures, like the, the Monster Manual, the Ghost Lantern, these cards that like half of them, like the adventure half for those two, gives you an actual card of value, and then the other thing doesn't. But the other thing is like worth enough. I mean, in this case, the Monster Manual is the thing that's really fueling it, but I don't think that card on its own, maybe it would be still a cool build around. But what really pushes it over the top to me is that you can actually get a one for one, right? You can get a creature back with the adventure. Yeah. So we're slipping on grades. Black Market okay. Connections, I would give a build around A minus. I think that card's insane. What are you Dang. giving Earthquake Dragon Monster Manual? Uh, Monster Manual, I would give build around C plus. I'd probably give them both build around C pluses. Like, I don't think I'm pack one, pick wanting them. They feel like more rewards rather than reasons to build around. Yeah, I like it. All right, next up, we've got Mirror of Life Trapping. Four mana for an artifact. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield, if it was cast, exile it, then return all other permanent cards exiled with Mirror of Life Trapping to the battlefield under their owner's control. More Enter the Battlefields, Ben. This card, I think specifically with Priest of Ancient Lore and Owl Bears, is the real deal. And yes, your opponent gets the effects too. Your opponent gets to double their ETBs as well. But that's why this is a build around. Ideally, in theory, unless you're in the actual mirror, pun not intended, uh, <laughs> unless you're in the actual mirror, you are going to get more value out of this card than your opponent. Yeah. This card is horrible, right? I mean, no. if we're giving good advice, this, this card, card is this card is good. This I card played is good. against it and then I realized I got the triggers also and was just like, deal. <laughs> I am in. <laughs> well, what did your opponent have? Not creatures with ETBs. And well, then, I had creatures with ETBs. <laughs> okay, so great. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. You're like, I played with the card without having to cast it. It was awesome. That is pretty awesome. Yeah. No, I, I do think that this is worth building around. I think ideally in white, green, and then splashing whatever, blue or black if you want to. Um, but I, I do think this really gets there. If you can get like, I mean, getting two cards off of your priests and off of your owlbears is big game. So what do you need to make this work? You need you need the priests, you need the owlbears, mm -hmm. you need Mykonids probably too, because you can you get additional one ones and those can kind of maybe buy you time a little bit if you need it. Um, can also bridge the gap from three to five mana from Mykonid to owlbear. I think and you just assume you have enough of those that even if your opponent does too, you're getting more value. Yeah, like I would say if you can get like two of each, something like or, or a total of six of those, and then like you're in colors that also have other ETBs or you're splashing other ETBs, you know, you get Pilgrim's Eyes, etc. I, I don't, I do think there is a way, yes, this is a quote unquote symmetrical card, but I think there is a way to break the symmetry on this card. I have done it. Um, I think it is is good. Give me a build around grade. I build around C. All right, I'll accept it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> how about uh how about the two party cards have you played with those nalia darnis or stick together i have not played with nalia i have loved stick together so stick together is the three white white wrath where both you and your opponent can choose any number of party creatures like one of each type to save and otherwise the rest of them all go away with the wrath and it's really strong i think you know your opponent again might have a cleric running around in a priest of ancient lore like or a rogue in guild sworn prowler but generally if you build around it and you plan to have a party, it's 
fairly easy to set up to where you have more stuff left on the battlefield than your opponent does. And sometimes it's just kill your opponent's board and you're left with two creatures, which is super powerful. I have liked it quite a bit. Yeah, I think uh, I think Nalia is a lot harder to make work. So this is one white black for a three three. You can look at the top card of your library anytime. You can cast party spells from the top of your library. So clerics, rogues, warriors, or wizards. And then at the beginning of combat on your turn, if you have a full party, you put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control, and those creatures gain death touch until end of turn. I think Esper is the place to have all four party types easily but there's really not that many wizards is the problem at non-rare and even at including rares i think there's not that many but i think there's only two wizards and they're both blue at common or uncommon um so that makes things tough but otherwise i think like doing a black white or even esprit thing you could even get some of that like play cards from the top of your library value off of the other types um but stick together i think is the real deal i haven't had the pleasure of pack one pick one build around it before but i've gotten it later and still gotten to jam it in a blue white deck and been very happy yeah for sure so build around grade nalia uh, build around c better than that right like you're getting a similar amount of value from nalia as you are like the one for blue green dragon yeah yeah all right so build around c plus but there's right. but there's way more dragons than there are party cards yeah but the rogues are all very good and the that's clerics true. are all very good i think in black white you're just getting those cards yeah that's true but i don't yeah i feel like nalia is again more of a reward for like i'm in black white i'm snapping it up though probably still not snapping it up over you know a prowler over right uh, sure you know like yeah, yeah. there's still yeah, some those cards are bees like, this is a build around c plus yeah yeah okay and but stick i think together, it's i think it's together, a c plus. Just like a build around a i don't know about a maybe build around b b plus it's not quite that good i, th- I think it well all right I, I think it is i think stick together is pretty busted i like it not quite that much b plus all right all right we got uh, how many times has Bummer Ben come out this episode? We'll have to, <laughs> have to count. <laughs> Next up, we've got Raga Draga Gorgut's boss, two red green for a 4 4. Each creature you control with a mana ability gets plus two, plus two. Whenever a creature you control with a mana ability attacks, you untap it. And whenever you cast a spell, if at least seven mana was spent to cast it, untap target creature, it gets plus seven, plus seven, and gains trample until end of turn. Pretty clear what you have to do with this card. You got to play green for Underseller Myconid and Scaled Nurturer. You also have an uncommon with Bronze Walrus, the three mana, two, two uh, mana creature that scries two and ETBs. And then the real piece to resistance here, which is nice to get a common, <laughs> is Dreadlin Orm. So you get this like really good common seven mana creature that you already want to play. And then you get to ramp into it. And then you get this just like, oops, I win when you cast it. Yeah, I think you're probably doing this most naturally by being in green yeah. and then getting a Raga Draga because I have tried to pack one, pick one this twice and not gotten there just because I got past better cards, you know, which I think is I, this. I like this uh, caveat that you've done for this episode of let's force us to put a grade on this because the ones that are built around, you know, B to A range, those are worth taking early. The Raga Dragas of the world are cards that you're like, Getting, you know, maybe you see it pack two, pick one when you're already in green or whatever, or you speculate on it, pack one, pick five, something like that. But pack one, pick one, you're not trying to take this. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So again, I think another build around C plus. Moving on to our next two big mana spells. We've got Verdant Rejuvenation, which is six GG for a sorcery, and it lets you seek X creature enchantment and or planeswalker cards where X is the highest mana value among creatures you control. Put those cards on the battlefield. And we've also got Snowborn Simulacra, blue, blue, X. For a sorcery, conjure a duplicate of each of X target non-token permanents into your hand. 
Those cards perpetually gain. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast them. And if X is five or more, you get to put one of them onto the battlefield from your hand for free. Verna Rejuvenation is nonsense. It is the thing that has felt the least like Magic the Gathering out of the set when it resolves. Like you just cast it and like poof, you vomit like a million things onto the board. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel the same about Snowborn Simulacra. I mean, obviously it's like not great that it's blue or whatever, but it's a reason to play blue in my mind. I think this card is really powerful. And I, it's just like, obviously, the way you build around these is just as many mana dorks as possible. The Myconids, the Nurturers, Clever Conjurers, your Walruses, and like anything that makes mana or accelerates your mana, you want that with these. Rejuvenation, I'd give like a build around B+. Yeah, I think both. I mean, aren't they like, how often have these resolved for like, you know, whatever, you have a five drop or higher with rejuvenation or X equals five or more with uh, Snowborn Simulacra? How often have those resolved and you've not won the game? For sure. Yeah, I think Simulacra gets knocked a bit for being blue, but sure. both very good cards. All right, next up, we got Vladimir and Godfrey. Two and a white for a 3-2 legendary creature zombie knight, and it's got an ability called Rejuvenation. You can pay two and a white, return it from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. It perpetually gets plus one plus one, but you can only activate it if you control a 1-1 one, one creature. I have not seen this do the thing. I like it a lot in theory, but there's just not a lot of good 1-1s one, to enable it, right? So green, I think, gets the best way to enable this at common in underseller myconids so you get the one one fungus saprolings whatever they are you also have circle of the land druid which does double duty as a one one that also can help find this in the graveyard right it can mill it so that you can then get it back and there's also the uncommon that was in our round table you're confronted by robbers the three and a white uh, make three one ones that's i think maybe white's only way to do that i, I i'm not quite sure but uh oh yeah i think those the, the green really helps this the best and and just don't sleep on circle of the land druid as, as pulling double duty there pilgrim's eye as well right oh yeah pilgrim's eye of course yeah everybody gets access to that this isn't like a bomb or anything but i think you know once you're in white again another build around c plus c even maybe because it's not like bomby but it can be annoying it can be pretty sticky yeah i like c plus i had it really high initially before i realized oh this is actually you kind of got to do some work <laughs> i gotta shout out my opponent who i played with the other day i've been going pretty deep and i think my opponent went even deeper than i did Caddy Bree of Mithril Hall hit the battlefield, and I was like, what's going on here? So this is green-white for a 2-2. It's got first strike and reach. When it attacks, you put a plus one, plus one counter on it for each equipment attached to it. And then you can pay one, remove all plus one, plus one counters from it to deal X damage to target attacking or blocking creature and opponent controls, where X is the number of counters removed this way. Never even looked at this card twice in a pack and then my opponent played basilisk collar which is the one mana equipment has an equip cost of two to give the equipped creature death touch and lifelink that on caddy brie is absolutely bonkers and i hope to be able to assemble that wombo combo someday spencer's gifts caddy brie activated let's go yeah yeah yes please all right and rounding it out here we've got kindred discovery i saw you go off with this card <laughs> in a Twitter clip. This is an enchantment for three blue blue. When it enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type. Whenever a creature you control the chosen type enters the battlefield or attacks, you draw a card. Yeah, so I got this late in a draft, and we're actually going to go back in just a second and look at that round table in, in a different way. Um, but I got this late in a draft where I was blue black, and I got to name rogues with 
a metric ton of Guild Sworn <laughs> Prowlers. I, I will tell you, when Prowlers draw a card when they enter the battlefield, draw a card when they attack, and then draw a card when your opponent has to block them, it's incredible. And I think once I saw that, I was like, that's probably the ideal home and creature type for this card. But again, this felt like this is never a card that I'm going to pack one, pick one, and try and build around. That felt like a pretty, I don't know, crazy confluence of circumstances. Give me a build around grade. Mm, build around D plus. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Some honesty. I like it. So let's go back and take a look at that round table. That was a draft that I did. So we had Ben walk you through the, the boring Ben, bummer Ben <laughs> the correct picks, <laughs> the day two pro tour picks. I'm going to show you some spice. If you want to like spice up your drafts, if you want to try and go deep a little bit, here are some things to look out for. So pack one, pick one, as you may recall, we took Underseller Mykonid. There wasn't much else in the pack. We were picking between that and Sepulcher Ghoul. But I said, I did point out the Kenku Artificer in the pack as my white whale. I've wanted to try and build around the Artificer. But Artificer is not a card that, you know, and blue cards in general are not cards that I want to take early. I want to be shown the blue is open. Ideally, Kenku Artificer should wheel, right? No one else should want that card. So I am clocking that in my head because I think it's a powerful effect, but I need like the support for it first, and I need to not have to take it this early. Yes, so still underseller myconated, but clocking the Kenku Artificer. I like it. Okay. Moving on to pack one, pick two. Nothing different here. I'm going to take Guildsworn Prowler again. This is the pack with the Genasi Rabble Rouser and the Dragon's Fire, but I'm definitely on the Prowler here as the best card. Yes, I love it. Moving on to pack one, pick three, where Boring Ben took Soldiers of the Watch. And Enthusiastic Ethan is going to be taking Alora Rogue Companion for two reasons. One, I just like really have an affinity for this card. I think it's very fun to play. You know, I'm totally fine splashing it. We've already got the mic in it. But again, I'm still thinking about that Artificer. And one of the things that makes Artificer not an exciting build around is you sort of have to do all the stuff of like, well, I'm putting these derpy artifacts on my deck and then I've only got this one Kenku Artificer. Well, Alora sort of solves that problem because you can pick up the Artificer, recast it, reanimate a new artifact, rinse, repeat, go to town. So I took the Alora here. Yeah. And honestly, I don't even think you're giving up that much equity by taking Alora. And you're potentially gaining a lot of fun value. So I, I like the Alora pick. Yeah. Pack one, pick four. I got to, you know, shout out to Priest of Ancient Lore. You just got to take the best card in the pack, I think, which also still pairs well with, you know, plays well with Alora, can splash it off of Mike and it, whatever. And I, I'm not that feeling that bad about being black card, green card, blue card, white card here, whatever. Yeah, no, you don't feel bad about that at all. And I like that you're taking Priest here because you're not just totally off the rails in this draft, right? You're drafting right. reasonably responsibly. The only maybe questionable pick you've made is Alora over the the 2-1 Soldiers of the Watch, and I, that's totally defensible. So we're fairly similar here through this draft so far. I think the big diversion is going to come pack one, pick five, where Steadfast Unicorn is far and away the best card, and obviously a great pick for you in the world where you have Soldiers of the Watch and Priest. I take Prophetic Prism here, pick five. Fingers crossed that that Kenku Artificer is going to wheel. Ooh, I like it. That is not a line that I would have seen in a million years. I don't <laughs> I don't even see Kenku Artificer in packs, much less would I take a flyer on a prophetic prism over Steadfast Unicorn hoping to wheel Kenku Artificer. <laughs> and especially because I've already got like, I mean, Guildsworn Prowler aside, I'm not splashing that, but there are worlds where I can splash Myconid, Priest, and Alora in whatever my base two colors ends up being, and Prism helps enable that. So, but yeah, re really hoping that the Artificer wheels. Well, and honestly, even if you're not 
on that radar. Once you have Allura and the Myconid, Prophetic Prism becomes a lot more real, right? Like yes. if you are on the I want to go bigger, do sweeter things plan, which I think you are once you don't take Soldiers of the Watch. Mm -hmm. Prophetic Prism is a, a lot more appealing, even if you're not planning on wielding the Kenku Artificer. Right. Now, pack one, pick six. I still feel like I got to take my lumps. There's nothing like sweet here. I guess you could take the Lurking Roper as a good defensive green card, but I would say that pack one, pick six feels a little late to me, honestly, for a steadfast unicorn. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm just not going to get to do something sweet and I have to take that here. Yeah, I'm surprised you took the unicorn, to be honest. I With your picks so far, <laughs> I kind of like Lurking Roper over the steadfast unicorn. But I can see that you're worried about like, well, maybe I don't get to do sweet things. You'd much rather have the uni unicorn if you are forced to draft a quote unquote normal deck. Right. And I don't, you know, I think part of doing this sweet thing is you have to know like when it's not the time and like <laughs> and as much as i want to stretch that envelope or push those boundaries I i'm gonna i will still feel bad if i watch a good white deck pass me by this draft i'm not gonna feel great about it i'm just gonna go well i could have had this good deck and instead i was just fighting over like Ooh, i hope kenku artificer wheels like that's not exactly what i want to be doing so i did take the unicorn yeah i like it and similarly, I took Steadfast Paladin next and was just feeling like, well, maybe I'm just going to do white green, white blue, white black, whatever. We'll see what happens. Then pack one, pick eight. This isn't even the wheel, Ben. Kenku Artificer just presents itself to me. Pack one, pick eight. <laughs> and I was just like, fingers crossed, please, please, please let the other one wheel. And it does. Pack one, pick nine, Kenku Artificer. And you could give me the not-so-aggressive white-red deck and I would just ship it to the person on either side of me because i really want to give this a shot yeah so talk to me about the rest of this draft so nothing super interesting in the rest of pack one though we do get a cloak of the bat at the end of uh pack one pack one pick 14 <laughs> two mana artifact <laughs> equipment equipped creature has flying and haste and is equipped cost of two but i, I tell you that's just gonna be a, th a two mana three three flyer with those artificers and then i just get an obscene amount of guild sworn prowlers I get one, pack two, pick one, Skullport Merchants, back to back, pick two and pick three, another Prowler, a Sword Coast Serpent, another Prowler, Young Blue Dragon, and then I toy with a Bobola Saga, <laughs> pack three, pick one. I'm like, well, maybe I can splash that. Um, but we just end up getting six Guildsworn Prowlers and a Kindred Discovery, uh, pack three, pick three, and a third Kenku Artificer, if you can believe it. Pack three, pick eight. That is absolutely wild and honestly those skullport merchants you picked up too are great with the artificers because you can mm -hmm. turn the treasures into three three flyers yeah so didn't get as many like free-ish ways to make artifacts as i would have liked like ideally you have prophetic prisms you have maybe thieves tools because that makes two artifacts with the equipment itself and the treasure and then you're playing thieves tools sometimes because you're like well maybe i'm gonna sneak in a horde robber you have shambling ghasts or whatever so i didn't have a ton of like free artifacts i ended up having to play a spiked pit trap and two cloak of the bats to enable the three kenku artificers but this deck was sweet Stay a sweet. So quick rundown, because we got some feedback in the Discord yeah, about, okay. about salivating over these decks without saying what was in them. So one drops. One drops. We've got Shambling Ghast, Spiked Pit Trap, two drops. That's right. Six Guild Sworn Prowlers, a Horde Robber, two Cloak of the Bats, and Prophetic Prism. 
In now, the three- let's just pause there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two cloak of the bats, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. I mean, how else am I going to have my attacking 3-3 three, three flyers on turn three? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, in the three drop slot, three Kenku Artificers, two Skullport Merchants, and one Soul Knife Spy. Uh, nod to it being a rogue there. Uh, in the four drop slot, an Alora Rogue Companion, a Lizard Folk Librarians. And then in the five drop slot, Kindred Discovery, and Eyes of the Beholder, as just we need some interaction, and a Sword Coast Serpent in the seven drop slot. That's the 6-6 uh, dragon that has the adventure of one in a blue return a creature to its owner's hand. And we end up with nine total rogues for the Kindred Discovery. This is a sweet deck. Some cards that you wish were something else, probably Soul Knife Spy, Lizard Folk Librarian, Sword Coast Serpent, Eyes of the Beholder. Like you wish those were cheaper artifacts and or rogues or brought artifacts along with them, right? Like if I could have a couple Grim Bounties, that is a good removal spell that makes treasure. That would be so awesome. But yeah, like if I could... If I could swap out, I don't know, six of these cards for something else, I would. But by and large, this is awesome. And obviously, this is, again, like a once in a format kind of deck. Like six Guild Swarm Prowlers should never happen. Um, <laughs> but you got to gotta clock all that stuff. That's how you get the, the sweet Artificer deck. Yeah. So keep your eyes open as you're drafting as we get deeper in the format. And maybe you, too, can share in the spicy meatballs. I wish we were recording uh, before we fired up... Uh, our, our microphones because Ben was looking at the draft log and he was like, wait, you got, you have artificers in this final deck. I didn't even see them in the draft. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, didn't notice them at all. Nor did I see the cloak of the bats. I, I was just oozing over the kindred discovery and the six guild sworn prowlers. Yeah. Which to be fair was, was quite nice. All right, go forth, do some sweet things this week and good luck to all of you. I guess it will already be done by this point, but I hope as you're listening to this, you have that sweet, sweet, arena open cash in your hands absolutely great place to wrap us up thank you as always to salty pretzels for our intro and outro music make sure you give it a listen thanks so much to channelfireball.com for sponsoring this podcast if you're heading over to cfb for any and all purchases or signing up for cfb pro please use the code lol when you check out to let them know we sent you there you can check us out streaming i'm at twitch.tv slash lord tupperware we got about one more week of summer break for ben before school kicks up at the beginning of august so check him out at twitch.tv slash mr metronome mr is spelled out we're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. <laughs>